Welcome to our online midweek Bible study. We're starting a new series tonight based on the letter of 2 Timothy. I'm calling the series Training in Righteousness. And tonight we're going to look at being trained in righteousness to conquer the spirit of fear. This title for the series comes from 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 18. It's a very familiar verse to all of us. You know, sometimes the familiar can become the enemy of knowledge. Since it's so familiar, we think there's nothing new to learn. We know that already. We've already heard that or studied that. Well, I do not hesitate in leading us into this, into this study simply because the verses are too familiar. Indeed, I believe this study is so relevant for the times in which we live that I'm willing to risk that this sounds too familiar to you. Paul is encouraging Timothy during a very stressful and difficult time to train himself in righteousness. Paul does not ignore or diminish the hardships that Timothy is going through. In fact, he acknowledges them and validates that they are tough times. However, Paul reminds Timothy that as he goes through these trials, that when they are through, and they will be, and as fearful as they are, and they are fearful, and as stressful as they are, and they are stressful, that if he will put the training of righteousness into practice, he will be stronger having gone through this. This is the message I hope I have conveyed to you all throughout this pandemic period. It certainly is disruptive. It's fearful. It's stressful. We all long to return to a sense of normalcy that we had before March the 13th. I don't know when normal returns. I'm not a prophet or a son of a prophet or a great, great, great son of a prophet. I don't know when it returns or how it returns, but I do know it will return. It's important that during this time that you're feeding yourself on God's word. If in your isolation or semi-isolation from the church family, all you're feeding on is the world's news, you are nourishing the spirit of fear within you. It will discourage you. It would fill you with fear and stress and frustration and anger. I don't know how all this turns out. But I do know the one who does, and that is God. And I trust and obey and believe that whenever we train ourselves in righteousness and walk by faith, that we will be stronger for having gone through this. I believe many lessons and experiences are already being gained that will help us not only for the present age, but in the time that's going to come. The Somerville Church of Christ grew and became stronger during Hurricane Hugo. When I came here in the mid-1990s, Hugo had happened almost a decade before. And all through that period of time when I first came here, I heard about and I saw how many people experienced the, the lessons learned from Hurricane Hugo and how it made this congregation stronger. It is a marking point for many members who remember that to this day, having gone through Hurricane Hugo. It defined our congregation and made us who we are today. And I strongly believe that how we respond and what we learn and experience through this pandemic will be a marker for this generation, that this generation will look back on for decades and remember how we came out of this stronger with a greater faith and zeal for the Lord. It's not going to happen automatically or passively. We have to be actively engaged in training and righteousness. Paul writes Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 verse 17 
that we have to be trained in righteousness, verse 18, so that we can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And there is still much good work to be done, even in a pandemic time. So I'm excited to turn to 2 Timothy and begin our study in the training of righteousness. And tonight we're looking at this idea of how training in righteousness conquers our spirit of fear. So turn to 2 Timothy 1. Let's look at verses 6 through 12. This is why I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. God gave it to you when I placed my hands on you. For the spirit God gave us does not make us fearful, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So don't be ashamed of the message about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me, his prisoner. Instead, join with me as I suffer for the good news. God's power will help us do that. God has saved us. He's chosen us to live a holy life. It wasn't because of anything we've done. It was because of his own purpose and grace. Through Christ Jesus, God gave us this grace even before time began. It has now been made known through the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He has broken the power of death. And because of the good news, he has brought life out into the light. And that life never dies. I was appointed to announce the good news. I was appointed to be an apostle and a teacher. That's why I'm suffering the way I am. But this gives me no reason to be ashamed. That's because I know whom I have believed in. I am sure he's able to take care of what I have given him. I can trust him with it until the day he returns as a judge. I want you to imagine with me for a moment a seven-city block area. And I want you to notice in that seven-city block area, I want you to imagine a fog that's 100 feet high covering those entire seven-city blocks, a deep, dense fog over that entire seven-city block area. Do you have that in mind? How much water do you think is in that fog that is blocking the view of those seven city blocks. How much water do you think you could get out of that fog? Did you know that there's not enough water in that fog that's covering a seven city block area to fill one glass of water? And yet seven city blocks, fog 100 feet high, according to the statistic I read, you could take all that water, squeeze it down, and put it in one drinking glass. Now, there is a spirit of fear that is like that fog that just seems to permeate some. Now, the spirit of fear is one of the most non-productive, damaging things that it could possibly be. This fog, this spirit of fear, blots out all the blue of your sky. And when you're not able to see the blessings and the goodness of God, it drives you to despair. When you focus on fear, you allow that little bitty glass of water of fear to make it your focus instead of something very important. Now, please make a distinction between legitimate fear and a spirit of fear. There are certain things that cause a natural fear. 
And God has made our bodies to respond in a natural way to fear, to to usually flee from it or to fight against it. And there is, of course, the reverent fear, the awe-inspiring fear of the Lord. The Bible tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge and wisdom. All of us are to fear the Lord, to have a reverence for him. So please understand the Bible when speaking negatively of fear, it's referring to the spirit of fear, that fog of fear that clouds our judgments, perceptions, and vision. Now the verses in which I just read to you, I think Paul tells us several things in our training of righteousness that can conquer a spirit of fear. First of all, he says you have to fan and deflame your gift from God. Now let me tell you what fear will do. Let me tell you why the damage of fear is so great. Fear will cause you to forget the blessings of God, so you have to be reminded to flame and to, to fan into flame the gift of God. Your fire's about to go out. And if you don't do some sort of work, some sort of energy effort to fan into flame that gift, it's going to go out. That's what fear does. Fear is trying to douse, to take out your fire, your passion. The gift that God has given you. And that's why Paul says in verse 6, I remind you to fan and to flame the gift of God which is in you that I gave you when I placed my hands upon you. Paul had to tell Timothy. Paul's telling us. I want to remind you to let God's gift in you grow just as a small spark grows into a fire. God has put his gift into you And he's given us his spirit. Don't let fear put it out. We conquer the spirit of fear by fanning into flame that gift that God has given us by the Holy Spirit. We conquer the spirit of fear by boldly proclaiming our faith, not shying away from it. Verse 8, Paul says, don't be ashamed of the message about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me, his prisoner. Instead, join with me as I suffer for the good news. God's Power will help us do that. Now, evidently, Timothy had not only forgotten about God's goodness to him and was about to let his gift flame out, but he's also, because of the spirit of fear, had become afraid to testify. He was afraid to stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason why he was afraid to stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ, apparently, is that now he saw Paul, his friend, his mentor, his father in the faith, as being one that's now in jail. In chains. He knew what was about to happen to Paul and it paralyzed him. The spirit of fear did that. Unhealthy fear, the spirit of fear will paralyze you. It will enslave you. That is so evident in the story that Jesus tells that's recorded in Matthew chapter 25, verse 25. You know this story so well. The man, the owner who gives his servants, all these talents, different types of talents, and they are to use it while he's away. And the first two invested, and they, they double what the owner has given the servant. But the third one, the last one, took his one talent, and he buried his town in the ground. Do you remember why? Why did the man say that he buried his talent in the ground? Do you remember what he said? Matthew 25, verse 25 said, I did this because I was so afraid. I went out and hid your gold in the ground. 
You see, that's what the spirit of fear does to us. God gives us the gift that is to be, uh, to be fanned into a flame of passion and zeal. And we're so afraid by the spirit of fear that we bury it and we don't use it. We're paralyzed by it. And Paul had to tell Timothy, like maybe he's telling us today, that you're gifted by God and you should not, and you need to boldly proclaim your testimony and not shy away from it. Don't be ashamed. God did not give you a spirit of fear. I think a third way in which we conquer the spirit of fear is by doing healthy things. Under duress and stress, many stop taking care of themselves. They allow the troubles and fears to take over and they stop taking care of themselves. And as a result, their health suffers. It's interesting the number of other illnesses that are on the rise since COVID-19 pandemic. There are more people dying and sicker from the duress and stress surrounding the pandemic than those who have actually died or who have been sick from the pandemic. Some have been so stressed by the pandemic that they've stopped taking care of themselves and are not suffering and are now suffering from an unhealthy lifestyle. The irony is that they may never ever suffer from the COVID-19, but are now suffering from the duress, stress, and now the unhealthy lifestyle. You conquer the spirit of fear by continuing to do the healthy things that God has called you to do. That's why verse 7 of 2 Timothy 1 says, God did not give us the spirit of timidity, of fear, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. When he was talking to Timothy in the first letter, Timothy obviously has started doing some things that are very unhealthy through his duress and stress. And Paul says, you got to quit just drinking only water. You have an upset stomach, so you're going to have to drink a little wine that can also help with the other sicknesses you often have. And what Paul's referring to, Timothy, is you're allowing this duress and stress, this spirit of fear to ruin your health. You got to take care of yourself. If you want to conquer the spirit of fear, you can't do it by doing unhealthy things. It will destroy you. Fear in your life is like the sand in well-toned and well-geared machinery. It eventually ruins it. As a matter of fact, fear often does people more damage than the thing they fear itself. Now, remember when I'm talking about the spirit of fear, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about normal fear or healthy fear or the fear of God. I'm talking about this, this fear, this spirit of fear that Paul is warning about. Well, what does God do? God, what is God's part in helping us to overcome, to conquer the spirit of fear? How does he really free us from that fear? Why don't you go back now and take just a moment from 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 12 again. And, and I want you to maybe put this lesson on pause for just a moment. And do this exercise. I want you to go back and read the verses and count the number of times that God is mentioned I'm going to keep on talking here, but I would encourage you to pause for just a moment and go and count what he's saying about God. And you learn several things about God. We conquer. We conquer the spirit of fear through God. Look how many times God is mentioned here. It's the spirit of God. It's the power of God. 
is the God who saves us. So many times the Lord is the one that's mentioned here. Throughout these verses, the focus is not on the fear, but the focus is on the God in whom we put our faith and trust, in whom has given us so many things. What has he given us to overcome, to conquer the spirit of fear? Well, look in verse 7. God does not make us fearful, but gives you power. What power is that? It's the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. A Christian is a person who is walking in the Spirit. A Spirit-filled Christian that knows that there is a resource, a power that is greater than all those things that would ever come against him that could cause a spirit of fear. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now I can tell you this, that if you have the spirit of fear, and again, I'm not talking about productive fear, but if you have the spirit of fear in you right now, it's because you've taken your eyes off the Lord. The light of his salvation, you're not looking at. You're not looking at him as the strength of your life. God has given you his power. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but the power that he has, the power of the Holy Spirit. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Well, what does it look like to live by that power of God? Well, drop down to verse 9 through 12. Here's how that power of God shines forth instead of the spirit of fear. Paul said, God saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. That grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it's now been revealed through the appearing of Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death, has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I'm suffering as I am, yet there is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. That is living by the power of God. That's what conquers the spirit of fear. God gives us power. Look again in verse 7. God gives us his love. Now how does love overcome fear? Love is one of the mightiest forces that we have to overcome the spirit of fear. Love, someone said, is the believer's security blanket. I want you to go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. You know this verse. Perfect love cast out fear. I used to quote that when I was afraid. Perfect love will cast out fear. Perfect love will cast out fear. And sometimes it helped and sometimes it didn't. Tell you the truth, for a long time I never really understood what it meant that perfect love cast out fear. And I'll tell you why it didn't help me very much sometimes. Well, I said, well, yes, if, if I could love God perfectly, I wouldn't be afraid. It's perfect love that casts out fear, but I don't love God perfectly. The only thing I do perfectly is sometimes sin. But that gives me guilt. It doesn't, it creates more fear. But how can I have a perfect love that will cast out fear? And so since I don't have 
that perfect love for God, maybe that's why I'm afraid. And that just kind of cycled through my mind. Oh, perfect love cast out fear, but I don't have perfect love, so that's maybe why I'm afraid. And it would just create more fear sometimes. Now, I've discovered when I have troubles with certain verses that I will read it in another translation or paraphrase to see if it might help me understand it better. Because I know if I don't understand the verse, it's not God's fault. I'm lacking something to get a grip on it. And sometimes you can look at a different translation of different words and the meaning will come to mind like this one did for me in 1 John 4, 18 when I read it in the new, in the, rather in the Living Bible paraphrase. It opened my eyes to what it means, what that perfect love is that casts out fear. Listen to how the Living Bible paraphrases this. We have no fear of someone who loves us perfectly. No fear of someone who loves us perfectly. <laughs> See it? His great power. His great love for you. It is his perfect love that cast out my fear. Listen to me. His perfect love for me eliminates all fear of what might happen to me. All fear. And if I'm not afraid of God, what he might do to me because I am his child, then I am not going to be fearful or have that spirit of fear in anything else. Because I am fully convinced that he's able to guard and keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Let me just read this to you again. It's rich. It's wonderful. It's, not, it's a paraphrase. It's not exact translation. But I thought it caught the meaning for me. We have no fear of someone who loves us perfectly. God loves us perfectly and cast out that fear. Because there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. He removes the guilt. He removes the sin. He sees us as the righteousness of Christ within us. And because he has removed that, and we are now justified by our faith, by grace we've been saved through our faith, we then stand before God and we have no fear. We have that righteousness, and we stand before God in confidence that we have. It's beautiful. God has done this for us. Now, we have no fear of someone who loves us that perfectly. No fear of that. His perfect love has eliminated all dread of what he might do to us. If we are afraid, it's for fear of what he might do to us and shows us that we're not fully convinced that he really loves it. But I know that God has cast out that sin because of Jesus Christ. So what does God do in training in righteousness to get rid of that spirit of fear to conquer it? Well, he gives me his love. He gives me his power. And one more thing, he gives us self-discipline. I like the older version of this. He gives us a sound mind. God gives you a mind that is a disciplined mind, a mind that is self-control, a mind that is set on Christ, a mind that does not get stampede, a mind that does not panic, a mind that is not filled with fear but with faith. It does not run away from unfounded, by unfounded fear. I love Proverbs 28, verse 1. Here is the difference between a wicked mindset and a righteous mindset. The wicked flee even when no one is pursuing them. But the righteous are as bold as lions. You see, the wicked have no ground to stand on. And not only are they fearful of the things they've done, they're fearful of things they can't see. And so when nothing's even happening, they just 
go on the run. They're running out of fear. But the righteous stand where they are. They stand on the rock of God. They stand in the Lord Jesus Christ wearing the armor of God. And they are as bold as lions. Nothing fears them. The Lord is my salvation. He's my shelter. He's my rock. Of whom shall I be afraid? Of what shall I be afraid? I'm going to be as, I'm a righteous one as bold as a lion. I like to say that fear exaggerates molehills into mountains, but faith excavates real mountains and moves them. Or as the motivational speaker Zig Ziglar used to say about fear, F-E-A-R is an acronym that stands for false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. God gives us through the Holy Spirit the discernment of the Spirit to know what is real and what is not real, to give us a righteousness of boldness to stand confidently before God and to not run or to be afraid with that spirit of fear because God is on our side. Now, if God does not give us a spirit of fear, but rather gives us the Holy Spirit through his power, love, and self-discipline, then you have to ask the question, who does give us the spirit of fear? And I think you know the answer. It's not God. It's the devil. The sinister minister of fear is the one who puts fear in your heart, a spirit of fear to defeat you. But Satan and his demons, as they always do, take God's gift and corrupts it by using it against you. He plants thoughts into your mind he thinks of thoughts of impending disaster and gloom and creates fear. Satan's behind all those what-if questions that tie you up in knots of fear. That spirit of fear is caused by the devil. That's why Paul said in Ephesians 6, 12, that our struggle, and one of those struggles is with fear. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Remember, our theme for this study in 2 Timothy is training in righteousness. It comes from 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 18. We want to be thoroughly trained in righteousness so that as a servant of God, we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Well, how do we do that? Paul says through the scriptures that are inspired by God. The scriptures that are useful for teaching, rebuking, and correcting. All the things necessary and essential for training in righteousness. And you know, Jesus is our example of this. I believe that the devil was trying to implant a spirit of fear into Jesus when Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted during those 40 days. But Jesus modeled for us how to defeat the devil. When he was at his weakest point as a human being after fasting for 40 days, the devil tried three times to tempt him, to implant within him that spirit of fear. And each time Jesus responded by quoting scripture, it is written, it is written, it is written. It's a model for us when the spirit of fear wants to overwhelm us, when the devil, that sinister minister of fear is trying to get it into us, man, we do like Jesus does and we begin quoting scripture. I think a great one to quote in times of fear is from Isaiah chapter 43, verse 12. God is talking. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. I love that verse. It's about fear. 
The references to passing through water and walking through the fire are poetic references to the trials we all must pass through. And you'll notice that God didn't say if. He says when you pass through these things. And he also says when you go through them. The trial you will go through. The trial may be very hard, but it will not last forever. Listen to me right now in this pandemic time. We're asking how much longer will this last? I don't know, but we will get through this pandemic and we will not only get through it, we will be stronger for it. That's a promise from God. Our job, God says, is to remain under it, to walk with God. This is the process God uses to strengthen your faith in him. We're going through this pandemic and this church family will be stronger for it. Because instead of operating out of a spirit of fear, we're training ourselves in righteousness and declaring the word of the Lord, his promise of his power, love, and self-discipline. Well, I could go on, but that's enough for this week to think about. I hope this lesson has encouraged you to read 2 Timothy and look for all the ways God wants to train you in righteousness. May these verses from 2 Timothy 1 conquer whatever spirit of fear you may have. In Jesus' name. Amen.